Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, Ryan, you know, I have stepped in here as kind of a pinch hitter because we are here for the 500th episode of Money MD podcast. Yes. That's wow. incredible. It's been a couple of years. Man. Actually. And actually, our first show was on the radio, right, John? Yes. Um, 12 years ago. 12 and a half years ago. That's right. It was January 8th, 2011. Yep. And uh, lots changed since then. I mean, we had some incredible uh, shows over the past 12 and a half years. We we had the laughing uh Fest over over cheap mattresses. Yes, I remember that. That's not the thing to save money on, right? <laughs> I'm not sure how we got through that. <laughs> I'm one. not sure how we got through that one either. But uh, but it's amazing what's changed. I remember those first five years. In fact, Clemson lost to Carolina like five years yes. in a row. You remember remember Doug on the radio? Yes. At WNR W. NRR was yes, the station. That's right. And he, he was a big game cocktail. Such fan. a deal mm. over that. It's incredible. But since then, 12 and a half years later, we won two national yeah. championships. And and even John's son now is marrying a Clemson. Yeah, girl. she is. Wow. That's right. Isn't it funny how poetic justice yes. comes around after 12 years? All right, and hang on, years. though. 2011. <laughs> you, so South Carolina won the national title in baseball in 2011. That's there, when we started. There you go. Right? Wow. There you go. January the 8th was the first show. Do you remember the significance right. of that date? Who was born on January the 8th? Right. It was, it was uh, Elvis's Elvis. birthday. Yeah, and you yeah. sang that day. Are you going to sing today? Oh, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. please yeah. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, please, no. no. You don't want me to sing. So that was 12 that was and a half years ago. 12 and a half years I've ago. I've got some stats for you. So Let's how long did it take Steph Curry, who's the all-time leader in three-point shots, to get to 500? Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good, good question. Don't be looking at the answers, right? I bet right. it was it. Uh, probably in a couple years. 13 years. 13 years. It took him 13 years to get to 500. That surprised me a little bit. That does surprise me. I've got me. another one. Barry Bonds is the all-time leader in home runs at 762. How, many, how long did it take him to get to 500 home oh, runs? Oh, my goodness. Long time. Over 12 years. Over 12 years. It's 15 years. 15 See, years. so what we did is like historic. It's amazing. Yeah. It is historic. It only I took mean, us 12 we, and a half we've years. We've set records here. But. And you guys didn't even take steroids. So, I mean, you guys took it. That's right. <laughs> we had a lot of disclaimers and we had a lot of crazy markets too. We did. During that time. We did. It's been a long ride. It's been a fun ride. This it has. Is great. It and has. And we got many more to come. One of my fun fun memories is um, we had, uh, when we did the, the podcast, there were three of us here and one of the other people that had written the story um, had um, changed the name uh, that was in the article, and it was a funny name. So when you read it, it was just like a, it was kind of a trick. And uh, so we gotcha. started kind of putting some some funny things in there for the other person to to read and to talk about. And um, so we don't we haven't done that in a while. We no, we, we haven't. Yeah, you, remember, remember, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah I do remember some some gaffes there. Yes, uh, uh, we've had few, in quite our a few. show. We have. We we've it's been fun though. We've. Uh, Hopefully, we've gotten a little better at yeah. this, um, and uh, we've covered an, a myriad of topics, my goodness, over yeah. 12 and a half years. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at our old shows, we've covered everything from, you know, elections to, you know, war to, um, yeah. you know, pandemics. Security, pandemics. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting to go back and listen to the the podcast during the pandemic, and because we were in the middle of it. You know, we were taking exactly. just current information, and I think one of the the things we do a good job of is we do take current topics and talk about them. You know, whatever we're exactly. seeing in the news that people are asking about, we 
we try to make it relevant. And that, that's just, that was an interesting time. Hmm. It's been fun. You know, it's great to get on here and be able to share, you know, some of our experience and, and the knowledge that we've gained over the last, you know, 28 years, really, uh, for me in the financial business and, and, and uh, advice and uh, just, you know, comment on today's news and, and what people are concerned about today. Yeah. And uh, so... It's been fun. We're looking forward to another 500. And yeah, and, that's right. Wow. Now we got I mean, some some young young folks in here helping us. It's just you and I for the longest time. Exactly. Sure was. Yeah. Yes. And now we have a great team here. Yeah, with, absolutely. With uh, five or six of us doing this. Yeah. So, I was a freshman in college when you guys had your first episode. Yeah, that's right. So, that's crazy. Right. There you go. Yeah, it's been been a couple of years. Been a it few. Has. Yeah. So we um yeah it's been it's been good. I, you know we're um we used to be at the radio station. Now we're doing the podcast. It's worked well. Appreciate everybody listening. We get a lot of feedback and comments on it. If you have other people that you think would be interested, you know, forward them the link. We do try to cover relevant information like today. We've got tax stuff, right? Well, fun. Yes. Fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, but fun. taxes are a part of uh, finances, so. Well, I'm sure you have some pithy knowledge to share with yes. the pithy. listeners what a today. Word. So. Well, thanks for joining us, Steve, you and, and crashing our party up here. You know? Just, just uh, welcome you to the 500th <laughs> show That's of right. AMD, so. You guys have a great show. Yeah, thank you, Steve. It's awesome. Thanks. It's been fun. Yeah, so we do have a good show lined up. Ryan, you're going to start off talking about um, just kind of giving an overview of the the, the taxes. Uh, this is a tricky area, and uh, we're certainly not CPAs, but we spend a lot of time and effort and energy on taxes and trying to reduce them. Yeah, it's not not a fun topic necessarily, but it's important. So it's good to walk through common tax questions and make sure we're just being wise with our money. Yeah, that's right. And then we're going to switch gears. I actually had a client that sent a, an article and a topic to us, and, and we're using that. So thank you for doing that. Um, Camilla, out there, thank you so much. Uh, it's really good. It's investment scams um, on social media and how to spot one. And this is becoming more and more prevalent. I, Ryan, I'm sure you see him come across email, but there is a, at least one, if not five, every single day um, that says, hey, open this or uh, payment remittance or whatever. I had, I've had three texts that are fake. You know, links saying my bank account was hacked, and even it's not even the right bank, which yeah. makes it quite obvious. So yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, so we're gonna kind of dive into that topic as well. So glad you joined us today. And um, by the way, I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach with over 32 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smartvester Pro. Yes, glad to have you here, and a Clemson Tiger fan. Yes, so, very much so. Steve didn't mention that, that South Carolina did win last year, so we're on a streak. Well, we gave that to you. So yeah, that's right. You're well, welcome. We, we appreciate that. That was seven years in a row. That was tough. You guys are hard to live with when Clemson yeah, wins. Yeah. So, Well, look out. That's right. That's right. But we're excited to have you listening to us today. We're up every Friday morning. Um, you can find the, the show up on the website, uh, moneymd.net, or you can uh, get it downloaded at iTunes um, uh, every Friday and listen to us on your own schedule. And also check out our website, moneymd.net where you can link to us and ask you know, questions and, and uh, listen to previous shows. There's a lot of good material out on the website as well. So I'm um, glad you joined us today. We have a good show lined up, and we're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. And Ryan, this is around the episode 500. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average is, are the large, uh, 30 uh, of the largest stocks um, represented, and it's really the most well-known index. Um, so a lot of times people will say, well, why is my performance different than the Dow Jones? Well, the Dow Jones is 30 U.S. large stocks, and most diversified portfolios are hundreds, if not thousands, of different stocks. So yeah. 
but it's got a lot of history. It started in um, in 1896, and it actually took the Dow Jones Industrial Average 60 years to hit 500. Wow. Yeah, 60. Think about that. But goodness, you know, if it went from from five to ten, I mean, that's doubling, right? So mm-hmm. in ten to twenty. So you know, that's a, a very long time frame. But I was trying to tie it into the 500. Today, it's in the 34,000 uh, range. So. Uh, who knows what it'll be 60 years from now, but uh, I thought that was interesting. It took 60 years to get up to uh, Dow Jones 500. It just shows how fast the world moves, even today. Just, the world's just moving faster as we get more technology and yeah. capitalism reigns. It, it's just amazing. Yeah, you've got the AI starting to, um, you know, just it's, it's permeating. Yeah. It has been for a while. And I, I think, uh, you know, we were talking with Matthew and Justin recently, and I think it's going to be coming in our industry as well. I think it's going to help us do our jobs um, more efficiently. Uh, with, absolutely. You know, a lot of the tax planning that we're about to go into here. Yeah, absolutely. So switching gears. Yeah. You talk, talk some taxes? Yeah, let's let's talk some taxes, John. I'm sure everybody's going to uh, really enjoy this one. But, you know, hey, there's a lot of tricky tax situations out there. And so I found this article from the Wall Street Journal. Laura Saunders, she's a really good columnist, just recently uh, just wanted to answer some people's submitted questions regarding retirement and taxes. So we're going to talk through seven questions and answers regarding taxes and retirement. So we'll go ahead and just kick off with the first one. And this person submitted said, hey, will my children or grandchildren have to take annual required minimum distributions, we, we call those RMDs, uh, when they inherit my IRAs or 401ks? Uh, yes, that's a great question. So some will and some won't. Oh, come classic. on. That's, that's a classic answer to a tax question. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Uh, so here's the, you know, the crazy quilt of rules of non-spouse heirs of IRAs explained. And this is by Ed Slot. He's a CPA and retirement specialist. Um, fun, 401k funds are typically rolled over into IRAs is what we see. And yeah, Roth IRAs first. Let's talk through that. Um, if the Roth owner died before 2020, the heir must take annual payouts but these tax-free payouts are often small and can run for decades. Now, this is before 2020, and this, which is why there's often called stretch IRAs. Meanwhile, the funds in the account can grow tax-free, so for the Roth. Yeah, if the Roth owner died in 2020 or after, the heir has 10 years to drain the account of its tax-free funds with no annual RMDs, um, so the account assets can grow tax-free for that period, but at the end of 10 years, you got to pull it out. So... Um, so that's the, the Roth side. The, the traditional IRA is a little bit more complex. So if the owner died before 2020, um, the heirs, they, they have to take annual payouts. And that can go on for decades, again, under the stretch rules. Uh, the payouts will, will typically be taxable, and there's no waiver of uh, RMDs in, in 2023. There's been a lot of confusion over yeah. RMDs Gosh. with IRS. So they've given some some grace on that. If the uh, traditional uh, IRA owner died in 2020 or after and was already taking um, the required minimum distribution, then the heirs typically have 10 years to drain the accounts, and they have to, to use the stretch rules to take annual payments during that period for years one through nine. And uh, often that results in a smaller withdrawal and then a, a, a very large payout. So some heirs will withdraw money, you know, more so um, earlier or throughout the uh, the 10 years to avoid a tax rate jump in year 10. And there's no um, you know, prohibition with uh, withdrawing, um, you know, more than required or less. So yeah. there's some flexibility there. But it, this is very, uh, RMDs are very confusing. Yes. You got to get it right because there's penalties if you don't. Yeah. And, and because of the confusion over the RMDs uh, for these heirs uh, due to the law change, the IRS actually waived these payouts for 21, 22, and 23. 
So there was a lot of confusion behind that. Um, if the owner of the traditional IRA wasn't yet required to take RMDs, then the heirs don't have to take annual payouts, but they may want to make withdrawals to avoid a tax hit in year 10. So you got to be very careful with that. So you just want to make sure you're paying attention to those rules. Uh, here's the second question. So can IRA owners taking annual RMDs still contribute to traditional or Roth IRAs and 401ks? Good question. Yes, but they must have earned income, such as from wages or self-employment, at least equal to their contributions. They also need to keep taking RMDs annually while they do so. Yeah, question number three is, is can Roth IRA or Roth 401k withdrawals be used to manage tax rates? And mm. answer is, yeah, let's say a, a saver has a, a surge of taxable income for maybe contract work or another source um, that, that would raise the income taxes, you know, potentially bring higher Medicare premiums, uh, could trigger the 3.8% net investment income tax. So that person may be able to use uh, tax-free Roth withdrawals to provide cash and reduce the taxable income. That's why we're big big proponents on Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. It's a great source Absolutely. in the future. Oh, yeah. But the caveat, uh, this strategy requires flexible income, and Social Security payments and pension payments typically are not flexible. But if the saver withdraws more than the RMD, as many do, you know he or she could reduce these taxable withdrawals and use Roth payouts to meet cash needs. So good point there. Question four, I've now realized my wife will get hammered on taxes if I leave my large traditional IRA to her. Can I leave it to other heirs? The answer is yes. This question is referred to the widow's penalty, which may, which many are, are not aware of. Um, it arises when one spouse dies and the surviving spouse must switch from married filing jointly status when they're filing taxes to single status. As a result, higher taxes take effect at lower income levels. Um, however, you know, RMDs may not drop much, if at all, and that income can push their survivor, the push the survivor into higher tax rates, especially as RMDs typically rise with age. Uh, it's not unusual for the survivor's top tax bracket to jump from 12% to something like 22% or even the 24 or 35% bracket. So yeah. got to be on the lookout it's for that. Jump. Oh, yeah. Um, a saver facing this problem could instead leave all or part of the traditional IRA or 401k to other heirs to help you know, reduce that liability for the one person, for the widow. Uh, this move could reduce the spouse's tax rate, provide it, um, you know, you just want to leave enough to live on, obviously. And, you know, however, the non-spouse heirs of traditional IRAs or 401ks must um, often must drain the account within that 10-year rule that we've been talking about. You know, as described. So yeah, that's that's a very good uh, piece to understand. The widow's penalty, uh, the yes. tax rates definitely increase. But having you, know, if you have some Roth money, can yep. also help. Some surviving spouses even do Roth conversions in the year of the spouse's death uh, to benefit from married filing jointly brackets before filing status changes the following year. So something to to take a look at. Number five here is while working, I saved aggressively in traditional IRAs and four hundred one ks. Now that I'm 70 and I find that I'll be in a higher tax bracket when RMDs begin, um, which will also raise my my Medicare premiums, how can I manage this? And that's kind of that's kind of difficult. You may need some additional planning uh, with your situation, but you know you still have a couple of years before RMDs kick in at 73, um, so you can do Roth conversions before then to reduce um, the traditional account. And um, doing Roth conversions while taking RMDs is allowed, but the RMD amount itself cannot be converted. So the conversion amount stacks uh, on top of the RMD, and that can raise the owner's tax rate. So 
it's one of the things that yeah. we certainly go through as we look at people's situations. Roth conversions are important. Absolutely. And another thing to think about, if you are charitably inclined, make sure your donations, um, make your donations directly from traditional IRA assets using the Qualified Charitable Distribution, or we call it QCDs, starting at age 70 and a half. This provides a tax break and removes the funds from your account without creating taxable income that can uh, raise Medicare, or what we call IRMA, um, premiums and other taxes. So that's another way to help relieve that. Question six, can Roth accounts help lower the cost of the ACA health coverage ta- um, coverage or tax on social security payments? Yes. Um, under the current law, tax-free Roth withdrawals don't count as income for these purposes. So it's another reason why we like Roth. Mm-hmm. Um, however, many people receiving social security benefits will find it hard to avoid tax on this income. The tax threshold for for this um, aren't indexed for inflation. Um, so that's another good point there. And the final question, can my company matching funds go into a Roth 401k? As of 2023, some employer contributions to a worker's 401k can be to a Roth 401k. However, the employees, the employee owes the tax on these contributions and this benefit is optional for companies. That's a newer rule. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did not know about that rule, so I think that's really cool. Um, savers who aren't who are self-employed and have a solo four hundred one k plans may find this move easier because they are the employer as well as the employee. So check on that. Um, but my biggest takeaway from all this is Roth helps with a lot of these issues. It does. It does. And there's some you know planning that goes on early before the RMD, because once the RMD starts, um, you're kind of cornered. You can give it away, but um, whatever the tax brackets are um, is what you're going to pay. So doing some Roth conversions before that in your 60s can be a good idea. Absolutely. You got to manage that tax bill. So good uh, good discussion. We're going to switch gears and do the question of the week. And um, this question is discussing Roth conversions. And And the listener said, I hear you talking about Roth conversions a lot on the show and wanted to know... If I should do them myself, their gross income is around 100000 and they just retired with pensions and Social Security. So, you know, there's probably some more information that's needed on on that situation, like how much are the 401ks, how much are you going to need for income. But in general, it sounds like the pensions and Social Security will will provide a, a base income that maybe they don't need anything from the 401ks or the IRAs. So, yeah. You know, managing the tax bill um, <clears throat> depends on how much the income is today. Yeah. If it's less than 120000 then you could do Roth conversions in the 12% tax bracket, mm-hmm. which historically is extremely low. So it depends on the situation, how much income they have, um, how much income they need. But yes, doing Roth conversions, like we just talked about, it really fit in well with the previous discussion. Uh, having some Roth money in retirement is going to help with um, managing your tax bills. So settling up with the IRS on some funds today, um, so you take kind of take that off the uh, the table in the future is a good thing to do. Absolutely, it's yeah. just tax insurance, right? It is. It really <laughs> is. It, absolutely, we've we've seen uh, Roth conversions. The highest one we've ever seen is a half a million dollars. Mm, and, interesting. Um, yeah, they just basically are like, hey, we want to we want to settle up and we want to have this money sitting in a Roth account. So, hmm. done it two years in a row. Um, wow. So big big tax bill. Yeah, you, you got to have cash on the outside to pay for that that tax bill. But um, they are not going to be exposed or have to worry about tax rates because they're going to have it all in in the the Roth. That's very interesting. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is. So um, switch switching gears here. We're going to talk about investment scams um, on social media and how to spot one. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of this going on. 
Yeah, and so this comes from the Associated Press, um, you know, and really social media is full of scammers promising guaranteed returns or investment, and consumers lost billions of dollars to them last year. So financial scams, including cryptocurrency schemes, cost consumers $3.8 billion, billion with a B. It's a big number. Yeah, that's a huge number. Just in the United States, according and this is according to the FTC, you know, Federal Trade Commission, that's twice as much as in 2021. So clearly, this is becoming a big problem. Yeah. So this is just a story that they um, relayed in this discussion. There's a guy named Troy. He's in uh, Columbus, Ohio. He was conned out of about twenty-six thousand dollars in crypto mining scam, and it began with a WhatsApp message um, mm. from an uh, online dating app participant. <laughs> And so he spent several weeks messaging this person who seemed romantically interested in him before she brought up what's called liquidity mining. And um, he had been a crypto skeptic, eventually began to follow her advice and instructions. Um, basically, he was uh, taken, taken in. Um, he had transferred $5,000 of his own money to the wallet. She basically said, hey, you know, this is going to double. Um, he then got contacted by uh, the customer service that told him to put another 10000 in to get all of his money back plus bonuses. And, and by the time he finished up with all this, he had um, he had to pay 35000 in taxes and mm. uh, to access the 200000 that he had put in. Um, by that time, he had been scammed and he realized mm. it. Um, and there's no way to get the money back. So, you know, a lot of times um, some of these um, uh, scams are, are, are romantically, I mean, people think that they're interested in you and they start to ask for money. And we've seen and heard that before. But um, to avoid being taken for a ride, you've got to figure out and make sure that you're not being scammed on the front end of this and ask a whole bunch of questions. Yeah, you're exactly right about the romantic side. We see that so much because that's where it really can cloud people's judgment. Yep. And so that's what they do. Um, so what are some common signs of investment scam? Most will sound quick, easy, and low or no risk. Big red flags there. Mm -hmm. um, many involve real estate, cryptocurrency, financial coaching, or gold. Typically, the company uses the words like proven and guaranteed, something you'll never hear from us, um, along with testimonials from people saying, um, you know, they're on the other side and have benefited widely, um, wildly. Um, there are most often paid actors and, you know, invent, you know, invented reviews. Um, so you just see a lot of things like that. Um, I also would say just new stuff. Typically, when something new is introduced, that's what they're utilizing a lot of times, like cryptocurrency. Yeah, right, right. And and a lot of times there's time pressure as well. Make mm -hmm. money, make big money fast, once in a lifetime offer. It's gone tomorrow. You got to make a decision today. Or elaborate steps that require infusions of uh, more money at each stage, such as the um, liquidity mining that we uh, mentioned earlier. The scammer typically paints a picture of what life will be like when you're rich. Um, but no one can guarantee a return, obviously, and anyone who promises no-risk investment is a fraud, yes. period. So what should you do if you suspect an investment scam? First, do some research. Scammers want to rush you, um, so just slow down. Search online for the name of the company in words like review um, or scam or complaint, and do, just do some research. See what you find out there. Second, run the information by a friend or an advisor. Yes. Um, you may have uh, you know, uh, not gotten an offer like this before, but chances are someone else has, especially scams you know, that uh, often target specific communities, um, according to the FTC. So you know, make sure you get someone else involved to help you evaluate that. 
And third, don't accept any unsolicited officers, offer, offers. If you get out of um, a call out of the blue uh, or a text or an email about an amazing investment opportunity, it's likely a scam. So, um, and finally, reject the high pressure pitch. I mean, legitimate companies let you take the time you need mm-hmm. to investigate, research um, before you're spending any kind of money. So I would say the biggest one of those is go slow and then get someone else involved. A lot yes. of times you get emotionally attached to an idea, and if you get a third party looking at it, they'll be like, whoa, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's slow down a little bit on that. So um, sc- scammers also um, typically exaggerate the significance of current events um, following headlines and trying to pitch their product uh, based on what's happening in the news. So um, they make the opportunity seem exciting, innovative, timely, and they uh, hope a target will commit without having fully researched the offer. So, you know, if someone calls you, um, just don't talk to them. Certainly do not give them access to your banking information. No, That's a big no, no, mistake. No. So um, there's also a lot on crypto scams, right? I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of the hot topic right now. Absolutely. So, yeah, what about those? One tell sign of a crypto con is when the scammers ask you to send money in advance for any reason. You know, this is a warning from the FTC, and the fraudsters will often claim the advance payment is to buy something needed for a big return, you know, to protect the money or the, you know, to protect the money you've already invested somehow. Um, And so this guy, you know, he experienced several versions of the send money to get money kind of approach, and yeah, obviously he got scammed. So never mix online dating and investment advice. That's what we talked about earlier. Um, if you meet someone on a dating site or an app, they want to sh- and they want to show you how to invest in crypto, or they ask you to send them crypto. That's a going to be a scam, right? That's not why you're supposed to be on that website. Yeah, and the thought is that the real scale of losses we mentioned, three point eight billion, is really greater than is reported. A lot of people are embarrassed to, to yeah. admit they've fallen for schemes and they want to hide the outcomes from family and friends. But you've got to report it to the uh, Better Business Bureau or the FTC so other people will, will know that. And so when yes. they research it, they'll see that. So some other uh, common investment frauds, investment coaching, the fraudster will tell you their patented or tested or proven strategy will let you make money in stocks, bonds, foreign currency, mm. tax liens. They promise the approach will set you up for life and, and let you stop working. And you know, there's free events and, and videos. Um, you'll have to pay some fees up front for the expensive coaching with no guarantee of return. So it's all part of a marketing scheme to get you to pay thousands of dollars, which turns out to be empty promises. So be mm-hmm. careful on the investing coaching piece. Yeah, and then let's talk about real estate coaching. We see this one a lot. I see this one a lot. Um, in-person and online seminars about how to invest in real estate often promotes risk-free training, luring targets with promises of financial freedom. Um, if the promotional material and sales pitches make over-the-top claims, be very weary. Um, so watch for phrases like "sure thing," um, "security for years to come," or "chance," you know, "chance to rake in money by working part time at home." Yeah, we see that a lot. So most people never make back the thousands of dollars of upfront fees. Yeah, and the final one is uh, precious metals and coins, and we see this a lot as well. Um, you know, these companies, they, they do play off the fear of the stock market yeah. and down markets. And, um, you know, gold and silver, um, they are very volatile yes. uh, in themselves. And so just don't fall for, for the, um, the emotional poise of, of all of these fraudsters. Um, always get someone else involved. Um, always get a second opinion from a friend, family, or an advisor. Yeah, and one, one thing just with the pressure thing, if the decision needs to be made now, one of the best 
pieces of advice my dad ever gave me. He said, if anyone ever, in general, not just scams, says the decision needs to be made now, then the answer should be no. Because yeah. anything legit, you can wait and you can think through. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, good Good. Um, good discussion. Be careful out there. There's a lot, yes. of, a lot of fraud going on. And the, uh, the final topic here is the prescription of the week. And um, it has to do with Social Security planning. And Ryan, you know, Social Security on the surface is easy, right? Uh, you can start taking it at 62. Full retirement age for most people is 67. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it caps out at age 70. And every year you wait is another 8% increase. Um, so, th- you know, there's, there's, if we knew exactly when someone was going to pass away, we could tell you the exact right answer. Yes. Right. We we don't know financially um, the exact right answer because we don't know the lifespans. Uh, in general, though, if there is one um, spouse that has a higher income, maybe deferring that one, and and the uh, spouse with a lower income taking it earlier. So there are some s- certain strategies. We have people that come in sometimes that maybe have health issues, so they should probably mm-hmm. take it sooner. Uh, but here's here's a fact: is if you take it at sixty two or sixty seven or seventy and you pass away at the life expectancy that the um, that they use, Social Security Department uses for your life, those will all equal the same amount uh, from a present value standpoint. So yeah. they've calculated it to say 62, 67, and 70, and any age in between is going to be the exact same amount purchasing power-wise um, if you pass away at the life expectancy. So you know, sometimes it's it's an easy decision. Sometimes it's um, takes a little bit more discussion. We do run through analysis, but uh, spend some time on Social Security. It is it is a guaranteed payment from the government. It does increase by eight percent per year from sixty two up to age seventy. In some cases, it totally makes sense to delay it. In other cases, it totally makes sense to take it early. Yeah. It really depends on the situation of, of the individual or the couple. That's why it's good to do your own analysis and work with an advisor on it, um, especially that their age expected, life expectancy calculators are pretty basic. There's yeah. a lot of other factors to look at. So it's always good to do some analysis and make the decision that's best for you. Yep, that's right. So that's uh, that wraps up our show today. We're um, glad you joined us on, on this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week at moneymd.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions or give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.